What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Mind Over Macros podcast. As always, I am your host, Mike Milner. And man, did we need this episode. Oh my gosh, I can't believe how bad we need this episode. Wow. This is this is necessary. This is important. Call your friends, call your family, call everybody that you know and tell them we need this episode. All right. So if you have no idea what I'm talking about, you're about to find out. There's a lot to unpack. And you know, I never shy away from a nuanced discussion. But I had no idea that there was still so much confusion around the concept of a calorie deficit. I had no idea. But I found out. And I found out very quickly when I posted a simple statement on Facebook, seemingly harmless statement. I was just super curious to see what the answers would be. So I posted, is it possible to eat in a calorie deficit and not lose weight? That was it. Is it possible? To eat in a calorie deficit and not lose weight. I'm actually pulling up my Facebook right now just to make sure that that is exactly how it was phrased. Is it possible to eat in a calorie deficit and not lose weight? Like 61 comments. I think there were more. Some people were commenting and deleting comments and it was getting all heated. I had no idea how badly we needed this episode and I apologize. Sometimes. I take things for granted. And it's an important concept to understand the reason why it's so important because everybody has heard the phrase, if you follow nutrition advice, if you follow any fitness influencers, if you follow any nutrition coaches, you have heard the advice, eat in a calorie deficit to lose weight. And it's very nuanced. So I'm going to break down all of the nuance and I'm guessing there will be a subset of the listening audience that does not like the answers, but that's okay. You don't have to like the answers. They are the answers. Anyway, before I get into that, please do me a favor. If you appreciate the episode or the show, or you get any sort of value out of this, just send it to a friend or family member and please follow and subscribe wherever you listen. That's truly the best way to help us grow. Just hit the follow button. It just notifies you of new episodes when they release every Monday, Wednesday, Friday. That's it. It Takes two seconds. You just go into the show, hit subscribe or follow or whatever that button is. The other thing you can do is you can leave a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify to be eligible to win a free supplement of your choice from one of our sponsors, Cured Nutrition, Legion Athletics, or, of course, Organifi. So all you do is you open up the podcast app on your phone, you hit the search button, you type in Mind Over Macros, you tap on the thumbnail scroll all the way down until you see ratings and reviews, and then you leave your review and you're eligible to win. And I will announce the winner every single Wednesday. 
All right. That's all I got for the housekeeping. So before I jump into this topic and like really break this down, all things calorie deficit, the most important thing before even going into the science, before going into hormones, before going into metabolism, before going into any of that stuff, we have to talk about communication. And I've referenced this several times on the show, but I'm going to bring it up again. So I apologize if you've heard this before. Oftentimes what happens on social media and not even just on social media, but conversations in general is you're talking to another human and you're saying completely different things without even being aware of it. And if you want to understand this concept, check out the study that was done in Stanford called The Rocky Road from Action to Intention. And and anybody that I work with knows if I say Rocky Road, it means you're not communicating as well as you think you are. And sometimes this happens to me. I'll be, (laughs) if I'm talking to Mel and I'm not giving enough context, she'll be like, well, pause, context, context. And I'm like, oh, and, and here's what the study showed us. So the study showed that, so the way that it was constructed was that you had a group of, of participants who were designated tappers. The designated tappers looked at a, a list of songs that were very popular, like the top most popular songs, like Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star, Mary Had a Little Lamb, and Happy Birthday, or whatever. They looked at the list of songs and they got to choose a song that they felt confident tapping on the desk. So they're going to tap the song on the desk. And there was a another group of listeners. The listeners had to listen to the tapping and guess which song was being tapped. Now, before they did the, the study or before they actually did the implementation or the tapping, the participants were asked, before you tap this song, what's the probability in your mind that the person listening will be able to guess which song it is? Like you know, 40, 50%. 1.5% was the actual percent that they were able to guess the song. Then they ran it back. They're like, let's do this again. Got new tappers, new listeners. And this time when they ran the study, they let the person tap first. And then we're like, wait, before you guess, time out to the person who tapped. Now that you've tapped the song, what is the probability that the person listening will guess the song that you just tapped? The person average guess 40, 50%. Once again, 1.5%. And what it tells us is there's all of this stuff going on in your mind when you are tapping, aka communicating, that the other person does not have access to because they cannot see inside your brain. And frequently, we communicate, we leave out the melody that we're playing in our mind. We leave out the the beat, the tone, the melody, all the stuff, all the accompaniments that we leave out 
and we expect the other person to know that we've got this like symphony playing in our heads. So we think, oh, surely they're going to guess this because the person tapping is literally like singing along in their head as they're tapping. And the person on the receiving end simply hears jumbled up nonsense. This is what happens in real conversations. This is what happens on social media. And I think that's the actual frame of this is I watched two people going back and forth in the comment section, talking about two completely different things and not even realizing it. And all I could think was Rocky Road because each of them had their own biases and their own accompaniments in their mind. And they were saying completely different things, trying to argue. And I, and it's really important, like language matters. And it's really important that we try to understand the question. So the question was, is it possible to lose weight while eating in a calorie, or is it possible to eat in a calorie deficit and not lose weight? And the short answer is no. I'm sorry for all of you who you were hoping that I would say something different. It is not possible. Now, I am going to try to give you all of the accompaniments in my head so that you can fully understand all of the nuance that's involved here. The short answer is no. It is not possible to eat in a calorie deficit and not lose weight. And the reason that it's not possible is it, it's because it's simple physics. It's how our bodies work. It's like, is it possible to save more money while simultaneously spending more than you earn? Not possible. But I think the part that gets missed is that when somebody says that, like when you hear me say it, you probably think of all of these extenuating circumstances that then change the question, right? Like, well, what about certain hormonal conditions? What about autoimmune conditions? What about if, you know, illness, what about all of these different things? What about perimenopause? What about age? All of these things, you start to think of all of these things. And it still does not change the reality of science. You cannot gain weight while eating in a real calorie deficit. The problem that most people have is they don't understand a real calorie deficit and they don't understand that this equation is very nuanced. So there was a lot of people who kept harping on the facts that like, well, calories aren't all that matters. Correct. Calories are not all that matters. And in fact, I think sometimes we focus too much on calories. That's not the question. So again, it's important to understand what question are we really answering? And it's uh, sometimes we try to, we like we take our own bias. Like if you have 
a hormonal condition, right? Let's say you have the slowest metabolism in the world, the slowest. You are dead last in the world in metabolism for whatever reason. You can be old and have no muscle and you have a autoimmune condition and you have hypothyroidism and you, you know, whatever, like stack it all onto one human. That metabolism still cannot gain weight in a calorie deficit and can only lose weight in a calorie deficit by definition to just by scientific fact. Now, what a lot of people assume is what the quote unquote average metabolism or calorie deficit should be for that person. So you might have an individual who goes to a coach or a calculator or some kind of formula and they're told that 1500 calories should be a deficit. It's, it's theoretical. This is a theoretical deficit, but then they eat 1500 calories consistently and do not lose weight. What that means is that they weren't in a calorie deficit. The theory was no longer reality, just like scientific, you know, testing. There was the hypothesis. This should be a calorie deficit for you. Then we test the hypothesis. You ate 1500 calories consistently over a certain period of time and you did not lose weight. Therefore, this is not a calorie deficit for you. Okay. So that's now that means that if that person, the worst metabolism in the world, ate little enough and became a real calorie deficit, a true calorie deficit, they would lose weight. And I think people really get confused by that fact. Theoretical versus real. A theoretical calorie deficit does not mean anything. A real calorie deficit where your body is actually burning more calories than you are consuming, it has no other choice but to tap into stored energy. Do you know what stored energy is? Body fat. Body fat is nothing more than stored energy. Think about it like this. Where else is the energy coming from, right? Like if you're burning, let's just say for, for simplistic uh, math, let's say you're burning 2000 calories a day, which Again, I'm not talking about the accuracy. I'm not talking about how hard it is to know how much you're actually burning. I'm talking about this from answering the question that I pose that people are still very confused about. If you're burning 2,000 calories per day and you're consuming 1,000 calories per day, where is the other energy coming from to support your life? <laughs> like, all of the things that your body needs. If your body needs energy, right? If there, we can all agree, if there is no energy, if there's zero energy coming in for an extended period of time, you cease to exist. I hope that that is at least a fact that we can all agree on. So if there is a lack of energy coming in and you're burning a uh, 2000 and you're, and you're consuming a thousand, 
Where is your body getting the other energy from? It's getting it from the stored energy. So now that can be fat, that can be muscle, it can break down tissue of any kind to create energy, which would result in weight loss. Every every single extenuating circumstance that you can come up with in your head, you cannot circumvent this. You cannot dance around it. There is no way, there's no loopholes. You can say, well, I'm eating very little and I'm not losing weight. The explanation is simple. All of those extenuating circumstances have put you in a, in a position where your body just doesn't burn that many calories. Now, if we continue with the example of eating a thousand calories and burning 2000 calories, your body will downregulate. It will slow down your metabolism. You will lose some muscle. There will be side effects and consequences and hunger signals and all these things that will happen as a protective mechanism to try to keep you alive. That just changes the dynamic. It doesn't change the fact. Maybe your metabolism downregulates all the way to a thousand calories per day. So what used to be a well-functioning metabolism that was burning 2000 calories a day is now a very slow metabolism that has adapted and is only burning a thousand calories per day. And now you're eating a thousand calories. So you could say, well, if I'm eating a thousand calories and I'm burning a thousand calories, I'll just maintain my weight. So doesn't that prove the theory wrong? No, it is no longer a calorie deficit. That is now calorie maintenance. It's an, it's an, ad, an adapted maintenance, which of course you don't want it to be there. But again, I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about health. I'm not talking about side effects. I've, communicated this more times than I can even count. The cost and the side effects and the and the trade-off of eating too little, it leads to future weight gain. It puts you in a susceptible position to regain body fat. But that doesn't circumvent the fact and the science of a calorie deficit. If you are eating in a true calorie deficit, it's impossible to gain weight. The only outcome is weight loss because where else are the calories or the energy? Where else is it coming from? It's only coming from stored energy. And again, you can, you can try to come up with every single scenario. I had people who are like, but what about this hormone condition? And what about that hormone condition? And what about... You don't understand women in perimenopause. You don't understand what it doesn't change anything. That's like saying, I, well, I used to make a hundred grand a year, but now because of my age, because of my whatever situation, I only make 50,000, right? That's like your metabolism adjusting. You had a hundred thousand dollar metabolism. Now you have a $50,000 metabolism. It's like, well, I used to make a hundred grand a year, but now because of all of these extenuating circumstances, I only make 50 grand a year. So now that you make 50 grand a year, do you still think that it's possible to save more money than you earn if you're spending over 50 grand a year? 
No, you can't do it, right? Well, what if, what if I make some additional money from investments? Great. Well, now your metabolism is a little bit better because you have your salary plus investments. It just changes the numbers that we're working with. It doesn't change reality. It's, it's so hard for people to grasp this. If you have, here, here's the thing. If you do have certain conditions, autoimmune condition, hypothyroid, whatever, that's why you shouldn't be living in a deficit most of the time. That's why you should spend more time in maintenance. That's why you should prioritize hormone health and gut health and healthy habits and behavior change, right? Like all the things that I talk about, but you're, you're avoiding the question. It's not about, I'm not talking about sustainability. The question had nothing to do with sustainability. I just wanted to see if people understood the basic science. That's it. And there's still this gross misunderstanding. And, and again, people keep moving the target. Well, it's calories aren't all that matter. Of course they're not. That's not the question. But what about this hormonal condition? I get it. It makes your real, your real maintenance a lot shittier than it probably would have been if you didn't have all of those conditions. But, and it was funny because like the, the people that were arguing this, like the, the people that were like actually understood the answer were like, oh, you're just, you're, you just don't want to take personal responsibility. And I think that misses the point also. Not about that. Some people, some people, sure. Some people would rather hold on to excuses and place external blame. I get that. But they were arguing two totally different things. And that's why I started with the whole Rocky Road conversation because you see it all the time. One person's like, calories aren't all that matter. Like, of course, nobody's saying that. And then the other person's like, you still can't gain weight in a calorie deficit. And like, they're arguing these different things. Again, if it were possible to gain body fat while eating in a calorie deficit, starving to death would not exist. It would not be a thing. Now, I don't suggest that you try it, but that is a hypothesis that I believe has been confirmed many times over. If you stop eating completely in a certain matter of time, you will cease to exist. If your body somehow was able to hold on to body fat while you were eating nothing, you would be able to survive. But that's not how it works. And I, again, I think we're, we keep missing the point. And I really hope that this makes it abundantly clear. Nobody is saying that you should consistently try to eat in a calorie deficit. Actually, there are people that say it. The people that say that you should not listen to. The people that are like, just eat in a deficit and coast to your goals. Now, I think eating a calorie deficit, I think it's shitty advice. Once again, I didn't, I didn't ask the question of, is this helpful advice? The question was very simple. Can you eat in a calorie deficit and not lose weight? And the answer is no, you cannot. I want to take a brief pause in this conversation to tell you about Organifi because they're just my best friends right now helping me. <laughs> Organifi is helping me 
dodge all of the stuff that's going around right now. Everybody in my house getting sick. Uh, everybody, not just in my house, but in my family, extended family. Like I feel like it's everywhere. And I'm just over here crushing my grain juice, crushing my gold juice, taking my Sheila Jeet gummies, uh, taking my immunity, just doing everything that I possibly can. Cause normally I'm the one that gets it. Uh, but somehow I've been dead. I know I keep talking about it and now I'm going to end up getting sick, but I'm still happy that I've made it this far. If you're not starting your morning with Organifi green juice, you're missing out. The crisp apple is my favorite. And if you're not taking the Sheila Jeet gummies before you work out, I had somebody message me that said she's been taking them before she plays tennis, fellow tennis player. Gotta love that. And she's like, it's incredible how much energy and focus I have after taking them. Um, I typically take them every day, regardless of whether I'm working out or playing tennis, just because it's such a powerhouse of an adaptogen. But especially if I'm working out or playing, um, definitely take my Sheila Jeets and then gold juice, chocolate flavor to finish the evening. That warm, tasty, desserty flavor just hits the spot every night, puts me in that rest and digest mode. Uh, so good and so good for you. So it's the crisp apple green juice. It's the gold chocolate. It's the Sheila Jeet gummies. Mel loves their Harmony product, which is a hormone balancing product. Um, I take the collagen every day. Uh, if you're if you're missing out on collagen, stop, especially if you are my age or older. I'm about to be 40. Um, we got to be more intentional about our skin and our bones and our joints and our nails and our hair. Collagen, quality collagen, Organifi's got you covered. And you get 20% off all of their products if you go to Organifi.com slash popfam, O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com slash P-O-P-F-A-M. And you use code popfam at checkout. You get 20% off all of their products. Amazing products to choose from. Um, go get yourself hooked up, Organifi.com slash popfam. The code is popfam. And now let's get back to the episode. So. We can have side conversations about all the other stuff, hormonal implications, metabolic implications, age, whatever you want to talk about. It does not, you can't circumvent the reality. Does eating in a deficit too long and too extremely and too frequently make it easier to gain weight? Absolutely. I've written about that a number of times. I've talked about that a number of times. Does certain autoimmune conditions or certain phases of life like perimenopause and menopause. Does that mean you have to be more intentional? Does that mean maybe it's a little bit more challenging to improve body composition? Of course. Does it change the science? No, it does not. Because you cannot eat in a calorie deficit and gain weight or even maintain. Can't do it. You cannot do it. So typically the scenario, the most common answer is you're not actually eating what you think you're eating. The second most common answer, and that's, that has also been studied, by the way, that's 50% of people grossly um, underestimate how much they're consuming on a daily and weekly basis. The second most common answer is that you're eating in a theoretical deficit, not a real deficit. So you're probably like in, in the second example, you are eating what you say you're eating and you know how many calories you're eating. It's just not a deficit. That's it. 
Two most common answers. So I've, I've even seen situations where people say, well, and, and by the way, on the flip side, if you're eating in a calorie surplus, meaning you're eating more calories than you burn, consuming, taking in more calories than you burn, you will gain weight. There's no, other, again, there's no way around it. There's a surplus. Where does that go? Has to go somewhere. Like, oh, well, what if your body burns that all off? Well, then that's maintenance. <laughs> like, yes, you can upregulate your metabolism. And what was once a surplus now becomes maintenance because your metabolism upregulated. It just adapted. That's what it does. But I've seen people say, well, uh, I actually listened to somebody on a podcast and she was like, well, the whole calories in, calories out thing, I proved it wrong because I had this gut health condition where I couldn't gain weight even with eating 10,000 calories a day. She was like, I had, like, I was, she was sick, like, actually sick and losing weight and was trying to eat 10,000 calories a day to gain weight for her health. And they found she had some, like, rare, I don't know if I can't remember if it was like a parasite or some rare condition or something that like completely destroyed her gut. So how is that possible? 10,000 calories a day, of course, is a surplus, but it actually wasn't because the condition that she had meant that her body actually wasn't absorbing any energy from food. So pretty horrible situation, but she was basically putting food in her body and it was going right through and and her body was not assimilating or or um able to take any of the energy from the food that she was consuming which then circles back to the same exact conclusion it actually wasn't a calorie surplus it was actually a calorie deficit despite the theoretical calories but the actual calories absorbed was next to nothing which is why she was getting sicker and they had to go through, I can't remember, like there was this, she had to go through like this whole long arduous process to get her gut fixed and all. And then magically, once she started absorbing that energy, she started putting weight back on, which keeps the whole theory intact, right? That would be like, I'm getting like, my company is writing me a paycheck every week but but it's not being deposited right so you've got all these checks that are coming in but they're not actually being deposited so it doesn't really influence the the calories in calories out right like the, there's no way around it like you can find every single little way of trying to poke holes in it it just doesn't work and there's no reason to poke holes because it is like it's just a impossible thing to try. Like why? Why try to argue that when there is no argument? What's the purpose? Say, oh, well, this this situation is different. Okay, great. So let's focus. Like you have this hormone condition, you have this gut health condition. Let's focus on getting you healthy. Let's not fucking worry about a calorie deficit. Nobody said that that's, that's all that matters. But I think it's it's really important to understand <laughs> this simple fact 
for no other reason than it's objective truth. Let's all be on the same page here. So I'm, I'm hoping that I got all of the accompaniments out of my brain. Um, and I apologize if that's bad news. I don't know why it would be bad news. There's nothing wrong with you if you felt like there was a different answer. I think what probably happened is you were thinking about it through a different lens. Like, I've tried eating very little and that didn't work for me. Right, because eating too little sucks and it's unsustainable and it's unhealthy. That's not the point. So I think sometimes when we get all butthurt about this topic, it's because we're, we're actually talking about something else. Tell me if you disagree. I, I don't know where the disagreement can still come into play. I really don't. I want to hear though, like message me for real. I had no idea that that post would create so much confusion and so many, like the majority of people. I would say 90% of the people that commented on that post said, yeah, absolutely. You can eat in a deficit and not lose weight, or you can even gain weight in a deficit. I don't know where that's coming from, but I would love to hear. And we can have a normal conversation around it, but I'm genuinely curious. Just message me on Instagram at coach underscore Mike underscore Milner. You know, there, there's a, a reason why, like when we work with clients, and shameless plug, we have the best one-on-one coaching program on the planet. There's a reason why we really don't try to focus so much on the calories and like calories in, calories out is not at all a big thing. Like, yes, we help clients with macros. Yes, we help clients with their nutrition. We help them with food choices. We focus on the behavior. We focus on internal health. Like one of the things that is a core pillar of ours is we will never sacrifice internal health for the sake of an external goal. Meaning you want to lose weight, but you want to do it in a way that's going to harm your body and harm your metabolism and harm your hormone health or gut health. Hell no, we're not, we're not the right fit. We're not doing that. So we're always going to prioritize sustainable behavior change, a lifestyle change, internal health. And yes, you're going to lose weight as a byproduct. And yes, part of that process means that at some point you will be eating in a calorie deficit. But what we're going to do is we're going to make it easy. We're going to make it sustainable. And we're only going to do it for a short period of time because we don't want to put you in a compromised state. It's not that, it's, it's really not that complicated. We do it really well. So if you have struggled with that and you feel somewhat broken or you feel like nothing has really worked, it is not that hard to find the right fit for you. It's not. It's not that hard to find out what your body responds to. Now, there's a reason why a lot of people don't. It's because a lot of people want there to be some like magic wand fix or something that they're missing. When in reality, they're just missing the behavior. Everybody wants to focus on tools, like the fancy tools, like what equipment do I need? What supplements do I need? If you can't change your behavior first, none of that shit matters. This is what we call the adaptive dilemma. The adaptive dilemma is you have to change your behavior before you change 
worry about the tools or the technology or the things. But most people focus on the tools, the technology, and the things right away. And they haven't been able to change their behavior. Like if you can't be consistent with your nutrition for more than a couple of weeks, if we don't answer the question as to why, no tool or or technique or anything is going to matter. The adaptive dilemma is behavior has to come first. We have to change the behavior first before we worry about equipment or what tracking app should I use or whatever. You know, like sometimes the tool is a little bit helpful. Like if I want to chop down a tree, having a really sharp axe is more beneficial than a dull one. But a dull axe consistently being used is much better than a sharp axe that's not being swung at all. So the behavior comes first and then we can worry about the tools and the equipment and the supplements and all that shit. But most people want it to be about the, there's some magic axe that I can swing that's going to help me chop down all the trees in one swoop. No, it's, it's the behavior. This is the adaptive dilemma. This is why I say it's actually really simple to make a change. It's really simple to be fit and healthy and to, to live your best life, to look how you want to look and feel how you want to feel. It's really simple. But we make it complicated because we think in terms of tools and techniques instead of behavior. Because the behavior is a difficult, it's a boring, difficult process. There's no dopamine hits in that process. There's no excitement. It's actually pretty boring. But that's what's effective. Change the behavior first, then we can do all the fancy stuff. But most people can't even get to that point. I can't. I can't even stay consistent for three weeks. Well, we're not moving forward until we find out why. If you can't answer that question, if we can't get to the root of why you can't be consistent for more than three weeks, you're never going to, to be where you want to be because you're always going to fall back into that same pattern because the behavior hasn't changed. The behavior is consistent with not being consistent. Until the behavior changes, it doesn't fucking matter what other stuff we try to throw at you. Anyway, that's why we do things the way that we do. That's why it's behavior first. Anyway, if you want that for yourself and you want to stop the guessing game and the stress and the frustration and you just want to do things the right way once and for all, um, we do it better than anybody. And I don't have any shame saying you can just go to neurotypetraining.com slash apply neurotypetraining.com slash apply. You could be like the people who go to fill out the application and then don't submit it. Because I can see when that happens. We have a we have the ability to see somebody who lands on the page, starts their application, and then talks themselves out of it, which is fine. When you're ready, you're ready. But if you want to actually see it through, again, that's a behavior. It's a perfect example of what I'm talking about. That's a perfect example of the behavior hasn't changed. You're still giving up before you even start. So until the behavior changes, you're never going to be successful. That's just reality. But if you go to neurotypetraining.com slash apply, start changing your behavior, start changing your life, feel better than ever. That's what you want. Go for it. Be happy to help. Otherwise, keep listening, keep spreading the love. I will talk to you next time.